You're listening to the Mastering College to Career podcast, the show for first-generation and minority college students. Each episode will feature topics such as highlights and progress from students who have completed the MC2C mentoring program, networking opportunities, and unique insights and strategies from industry thought leaders. So, if you're looking for your guide to success, you're in the right place. Now, without further ado, let's get into the show. All right, welcome, 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 welcome to this episode of the Mastering College to Career podcast. And today I am so excited to have an amazing, amazing guest with us today. I have Katie O'Malley. She is the founder and executive coach at Encourage Coaching. And when we connected over the phone, like about two weeks ago, I was like, wow, this is going to be one of the best podcasts uh, because Katie is just so knowledgeable. She's so passionate of what she does. And we just decided on an amazing topic for you. So uh, for everybody that's going to join us, whether it's on LinkedIn Live or whether you're hearing us on the podcast, get ready, buckle up. And just get your notepad and take some notes because I truly believe that what you're going to learn in the next 15 to 30 minutes will help you understand that you actually have more power than you think and you have more leverage than you think and the companies don't have all the power. Without further ado, Katie, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm I'm doing so well and I'm just delighted to to be here with you. Um, and I'm I'm so glad we we were able to connect on on LinkedIn and find each other that way. Absolutely. Katie, so um, tell, tell us a little bit about you and your story and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so uh, my story is one that is that is very dynamic and, and quite storied. I started out, um, graduated college in, in 2004. I was a political science major, graduated in a presidential election year, um, and I was convinced that, that campaign work um, and, and working in politics was what I wanted to do with my life had the opportunity um, to work on one of the coordinated campaigns for John Kerry when he was running for president. I don't know, is your audience old enough to to remember that? I might have really just dated myself right there. Um, but I was out in I was out in Minnesota doing this work um, and we got to the end of the campaign um, and I was I was without a, a job or, or many prospects and started to do some reflection on what it was that that really drove me and it was this idea of of creating change uh, and positive meaningful change at that and so transitioned myself into the nonprofit sector because what better place to be of service um, than with organizations that actually provide services to others and spent a good deal of time working in fundraising and development for an organization called the Innocence Project out of New York City, and then also the AIDS Foundation of Chicago, which is Chicago's my home. That's where I'm coming to you from today. But there was still something missing for me, Daniel, and it was this idea of um, the work that I was doing while it was uh, providing the funds and the revenue to to support the programs and the people that these organizations served, um, I wasn't having the opportunity to connect with them one-on-one um, and to really be of direct service to others. Um, I did not make that connection for a really long time and just thought, you know what? Um, I've tried creating change through politics. I've cre- tried creating meaningful change through my work in the nonprofit sector. I guess neither of these sectors are for me. Let me go corporate. Um, and it turns out, had I visited a career center at any point during um, my college tenure, 
just about anyone would have told me that would have been the, the biggest mistake or biggest misstep I could have made. Um, and because I didn't do that, I transitioned into commercial real estate. And uh, the truth is on the very first day, I knew it was the wrong, the wrong place for me. It wasn't the right fit, but I didn't have the language or experience to describe why. And so I stuck around for about three and a half years um, until I reached the point where I said, you know what, it's time for me to go back to school to get my master's degree and really figure out how I can start providing direct service and, and support to folks in their in their career, in their in their leadership development. Um, so people don't have to make the same missteps that that I made uh, in in the 10 years leading up um, to getting my master's degree in counseling and then being the founder of Encourage Coaching. Um, I was at DePaul University getting my master's degree in counseling and had the opportunity to go work at the University of Texas at Austin. Uh, was there for for a couple years, uh, but Chicago's my home, and so found this opportunity at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business, where I work full time uh, with our MBA students in their career and leadership development. But one of the things that struck me is that these types of services need not be only accessible to folks who are already in the C-suite, folks who are um, on the on the way to being in the C-suite are just people who attend elite public and private schools. Uh, and that is how Encourage Coaching came to be. So um, went ahead and got my coaching credential, um, only enhanced by my counseling degree. And here we are three and a half years later, um, and I've just had the opportunity to work with some really wonderful career changers, career transitioners, um, folks who are running small businesses and really want to develop their own talent or build their own leadership practice. Um, and it's just, it's been a, a wonderful, wonderful journey. And I'm excited to be here with you today and and support your audience in, in whatever ways that, that they're looking to be uh, supported right now. Love it. Love it. Let's write, let's just dive into the topic. And what I wanted us to talk when we were figuring out what we were going to talk about today, today is this assumption that candidates have during the job search process that companies have all the power, they have all the leverage, that um, why would a candidate have any say or any power when a company is getting hundreds of applications? So um, from your point of view, what have you found on why do actually candidates have more power than they actually think or feel? Yeah, so I think uh, one of one of the big big components of of having this this sense of power or strength in in your job search or career search process, and to the point of getting to the interview, is really about opening your own self awareness and having a really keen understanding of of who you are, how you move through the world, what motivates you, what drives you to get out of bed in the morning, what your values are. And once you have that sense, um, going into an interview process, knowing who you are and what you need, uh, what your boundaries are, what you're willing to accept and what you're willing to walk away from actually generates actually generates that power for you. And so the interview process, believe it or not, is a mutual selection process. Um, you are choosing the company just as much as the company is choosing you. And I say that knowing sometimes we have to take jobs for financial reasons that we wouldn't normally want to take. But if you're in a position um, to be a bit more selective, um, and really find a place that aligns with who you are now and also where you want to go, 
it becomes much easier for you to come to the interview feeling confident in knowing this is who I am and this is what I want. Um, and being able to communicate that in an authentic way to effective employer. Um, I always tell my clients when they are getting ready for an interview is tell the truth about who you are, show up as who you are, and never ever tell the, the prospective employer what you think they want to hear because that's the person you're going to have to show up as if you get that job every day on the job. And the energy expenditure of that can be so much that, that you actually start to um, resent the, the role that you have all because you you didn't show up in that authentic way up front. I mean, that's a, like a really, really big takeaway on just going to the interview as yourself. Like anybody can fake it for one hour, two hours, three hours. Let's say you have five interviews, five hours, right? Yeah. But why would you want to fake it when you're going and you actually spend more time at work than you spend anywhere else? And why would you want to fake who that person is? And I think that the more that you can be yourself, yeah, be professional, right? But be yourself throughout the interview process, the more freedom you're gonna to have to be yourself once you do get there. And the more that you are yourself at your job, the, the more you're gonna shine and actually do ultimately do better in your career. Um, another thing that you mentioned too, is just like, if you have the luxury of time, and I think that's why I think it's so important for anybody listening to this, to be proactive, right? right. The best thing you can do is to start focusing on your career as early as you can in your college, like in your college journey, right? And if if you could do it as a sophomore, amazing. If you could do it as a junior, amazing. But like the more time that you can focus on this, the better. You, you don't have to have the degree in hand to start applying for those jobs. You can actually apply for those jobs even a year in advance or even before that, you can start applying for internships because internships are the, the best route to get into a top company because what a really internship is, is a 10 to 12 week interview process. Right. Right, and um, the the piece that you brought up when you're a first year, a sophomore, a junior, um, use the resources on your campus that are available to you. You pay for those with your tuition. Yeah. Visit the Career Center, visit the leadership development offices on your campus. There are so many services that, that can help to um, support your understanding of, of who you are and what you want, and also help you differentiate yourself from other candidates because you're able to speak to those pieces of yourself that other folks may not may not have the language or accessibility for. Yeah, no, absolutely. Another thing that you uh, that you were mentioning is how the interview process is rooted in mutual selection, right? And I think it's just so important for for students or even candidates to think about the fact that every company, regardless of its its size, whether it's the U.S. federal government or whether it's Disney, Universal, Apple, or even if it's a small company like Mastering College to Career, like every company has limited resources, right? And so if they've allocated, let's say $50,000, $100,000 to hire you, they can't use that money for anything else, which means that they're looking to for you to be an investment. And mm -hmm. so you need to, and they, they want their investment to give them a return on investment. And so you, you need to understand that. And the more that you can focus and show in that company why they're the right fit and why they're not just one of 2,000 companies you apply for, and show them why you specifically pick them, why your goals align with theirs and how you solve their problem. It's really going to help them uh, show, show them why they want to hire you, hire you. So um, I would love to like get your thoughts on like the career search process and how about finding the companies that fit you and that 
that are better fit for you versus just applying to every single company in which you meet the minimal qualifications yeah so i think there are a couple ways to go about doing it right um one of one of my favorite ways and daniel i'm, I'm sure you talk about this with your audience a lot is the informational interview connecting with folks reaching out to folks that are at companies you think you might be interested in right and getting a sense from them um i see that these are this is the mission statement and these are the values of the company do you get a sense that that these are actually carried through not just for the client but also for the employees there um informational interviews are are fantastic um another way is is really doing a clarification for yourself about what your own values are and and running through there are lots of workshops out there on um on values clarification also working working with a coach or talking to someone to get clarity around what are the things that I value? And then once you have that handful of words going on to LinkedIn, putting them in the job search bar and just exploring and, and seeing what is out there when you put in words like, for me, my values are around courage and learning and equity. If I put those three words into the job search search bar, um, what, what are the companies that start to come up? What are the roles that start to come up? Um, and again, Daniel, it, it goes back to what you were saying earlier. It's about this investment of time. And so when I work with clients, I often um, talk to them about this concept of the free association search. We're going to put in um, uh, searches not based on, on role or title or company name. But we're going to put in things that, that matter to you responsibilities that you want to have in your job um, and see see what that return is and almost start building out a job description in that way. So when you see it and um, you come across a job, you can start to know almost immediately if that is for you or if it's not and not just blindly applying. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just, I, I always think back, you know, when we're talking about like why why candidates have more leverage than they actually think. I, I just remember um, when I was a college student and I would I, I went to the University of Central Florida, which I, I'm, I'm still sure I'm, I'm sure it's still in the top three in terms of population size or student size. Yeah. I think at that time it had 65. I'm, I'm sure it's above 70,000 different students. And I just, you know, I did easy, like, oh, I call it entrepreneurship math, you know, I divide that by four and I'm like, this is how many people are graduating, right? But I'm like, at least 10,000 people are graduating from this university. Is there 10,000 new jobs available um, every year? And so I would, I would just like psych myself out, right? Um, not knowing how actually the people get promoted and how they actually, like, they're, they are, the jobs are actually out there. And, and this is me and the unemployment rates is, is really low. And even now it's, it's recovering, right? And so I used to think as a candidate, I have no leverage. Like if I get an offer, I have to accept right away. Like I can't reject any of that. But then it was funny when I did start working at PepsiCo, um, I, I started getting involved in campus recruitment. And I started doing info sessions. I started doing uh, interviews. I started essentially filtering them out so then this helping decide who gets to meet the vice president and the directors for yeah. the final interview and get the job and i remember going to those uh people planning meeting and just saying okay for the region of the of the part of pepsico that i worked so i worked in frito-lay which is one division out of five in pepsico and i worked for one region which is one region out of 12. uh we needed to hire 20 uh management training programs associates so sales associates and we were recruiting from University of Central Florida, U University of Florida, University of Georgia, uh, University of Miami, 
uh, we were recruiting from five universities, yeah. and each, and I remember them here saying their goal was to hire 20 people, and it was one of their metrics that they would get bonuses on as managers, as like the senior leadership team. And I remember they really struggled to find 20 people. And I'm like, how can it be? Like, you have like 50,000 people graduating. How can you not fill 20 people? And I asked that question, like as a naive, you know, kind of new person and I'm involved and I'm like, how are we struggling to, how is this a problem? Like, how are we spending two hours trying to figure this out when there's 50,000 applicants? And I just remember somebody said, it's never a problem of quantity, it's a problem of quality. Mm. Like, like, it's never a problem that PepsiCo doesn't get enough applicants. It's the, the problem is that most of the people who applied never took the time to really understand what we were looking for and now we have to filter through them, and 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 that is the, that was the biggest issue. It's like trying to figure out who was the right fit that can do a good job because the job that they were hiring for was not for everybody. Right. And that's kind of like when it really hit me that it's like the internet has made it so easy for all of us to apply online, and that was the reason why people apply to hundreds of jobs. But that's the same reason it makes it really hard for a company to figure out who's the right fit for what. Yeah. And I, I love it, that you just shared that experience of being on both sides of the table and right. like getting that perspective of um, there is so much opportunity out there. And it's also on the responsibility, um, the responsibilities on the shoulder of the candidate too to be able to say, here's, here's why I'm the right fit. And things like, again, researching company values and the mission and the vision and being able to speak why that matters to you in your cover letter. Yeah. Um, cover letters, it's tough. Um, I've, I've heard it go both ways where it's like some people read them, some people don't. But yeah. I can guarantee you if you don't attach one, it's it's going straight. This like You're going to get passed by because it shows you didn't take the time and attention and care um, to really demonstrate to the prospective employer that you want to be there. Um, and so always, 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 even if there's a 50% chance it's not going to get read, um, put in a cover letter because they can immediately see whether you attached one or not. Yeah. I want to ask you a question because you you've worked at a, a, a couple of amazing universities that have amazing career services, but um, for the individuals that don't have don't go to a top university, may not have access to a really uh, great career services that has amazing partnership with companies that constantly come and recruit. What advice do you have for them to gain some power, some leverage, and get some exposure to some top companies? Yeah, I think, and uh, Daniel, this actually goes back to a post that I think I saw from you either earlier this week or last week, but it's it's all about the networking piece. I, mm -hmm. I believe it's like 70 or 80% of jobs that people accept actually came from uh, connecting with someone at that company and having that initial conversation or having that internship. Um, and so really using your LinkedIn to the best of your ability, really letting people know that you're that you're looking, letting them know what you're looking for. Um, people, you're, it, this might be hard to believe, um, we're asking for help is, is hard to do because we think it's a sign of vulnerability. But the truth is people love to help people. And if there's anything that I've learned in the last 18 months, um, and what I hope is carried forward from this global pandemic is 
we all really um, are just trying to support each other and, and get through this thing. Um, not to quote Prince, but to quote Prince, to get through this thing called life, right? And um, if you ask for help, there are gonna be people out there who are who are willing to hold that space for you and, and try and point you in the right direction. So the more you can people, the more you can ask for support in connecting you with other folks or sending you a referral link for a job at, at a company that they work for, um, people are more than happy to do that. You just have to ask. Yeah, I, I think it's really funny. Um, I asked when I do some of my coaching calls with my mentees, I asked them like, hey, if a, if a high schooler reached out to you and they're looking for information about your experience at your current university, would you give them 15 minutes? And I would say, put a one in the chat if it's a yes, put a two in the chat if you're a no, and you just hear a bunch of ones. Yeah. And I go, and I'm like, are you, do you automatically become a jerk when you graduate college? <laughs> right? The answer is no, you're the same person. Like just nothing changed from, yeah. one, from the day you get a degree or not. So why don't you think that someone's gonna wanna help you later? Please. If, right? Like, and look at everybody in this room. Like, I think this is a pretty big sample size. And I think that's the, what you have to understand is that people wanna help, most people wanna help, but you have to do your job and make it easy for them to wanna help you, yeah. right? And be respectful of their time and understand they have different priorities and, and maybe give them the questions in advance, but like, Ask them what their favorite, what's the best form of communication. Maybe it's just via email. Maybe it's via Zoom. Maybe it's via phone call. Some people might want to meet you at a coffee. Like, I think you have to make it easier for them because most people do want to help, right? Um, and I, I, I think that's that's really interesting. But I want to segue to our last point. And, yeah. and that really comes down to you should, uh, you should interview them back, right? Like interviewing yeah. them together. And then you also don't have to accept every offer that we had, we had spoken about. Um, and I don't know if you've, I've seen this, but I've definitely seen this, that when a, I have students and they're, go, they're in the process with like, let's say three or four companies at a time, they'll get an offer from one company and then they'll get offers from all three. And they're like, how is it? I've been struggling to get an offer, but now that I get one offer, I get one or two more offers. And I'm like, well, because okay. once you had an offer and you went to the interview, you went in there with confidence and yep. people want to hire confident people. But have you found that to be true uh, in your experience? Yeah, it's um, I, it can go a lot of different ways. And I it's I don't have hard, hard data on this. It's it's pretty anecdotal, but it is. It's yeah. the confidence piece. Um, people, the old saying goes, it's always easier to find a job when you have a job because you're confident in not worried and scared that. Um, this is this is a make or break kind of interview for me. Um, and so just going into the interview, it's it's mindset, right? With this idea of um, I'm gonna give them the best, the best of me and the most authentic me. Um, and if it is a good fit and I've interviewed them back and I feel like it's a good fit too, this is gonna be a match. It's gonna work out. But if um, they decide I'm I'm not a good fit, my goodness, bullet dodged, right? And so having a different mindset around, it's not that they they didn't like me, it's not that they rejected me, it's simply that they chose somebody else. Um, yeah. Doesn't mean I'm bad or wrong or anything. And use that um, opportunity, that interview, as a building block uh, for for your next interview. And I yeah. think. 
the the one thing I will say is this idea around you don't have to accept every job that's that's offered to you. I've made that mistake a couple of times in in my career, even though I had um, I had some data to to say, you know what, maybe this maybe this place isn't for you that I collected during the interview process. Um, you deserve to be respected given dignity in an interview process. If folks are giving you a whole bunch of, of gotcha questions or making you feel less than, it's likely not the place for you. Um, and it, it likely isn't the place for anyone. And so just being sure that at the end of the day, you go in there knowing you've given respect and, and dignity yeah. to the prospective employer, but that they've given it back to you. And if that's not there, you're you don't you don't have to move on because if that's what they're showing you in the interview when they're trying to bring you in my goodness what is it going to look like when you actually work there yeah i think that there's definitely you the way they treat you as a as you're going through the interview process a good reflection of how it's going to be when you work there. like if the process is during the interview process like and they treat you like a number or they're too disrespectfully the odds are that's going to continue like it's kind of yep. just part of the culture of the company and I think what you said is, it, I, I think you should interview them back, right? I think what you, you talked about that, and I think it's just so important to actually go in there and interview them back. And it, 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 I'm not saying just like, I, I am talking about making sure that every time you go to an interview, if you have questions, if you need clarifications, that you ask for that, right? Because this is, like, when you're coming out of college, your first job out of college is arguably one of the most important decisions you will make because your first job sets the foundation for the most for the profession for your professional career it can either make your professional career a lot easier or a lot harder depending on that on that that first job and you should be able to ask those questions and when yeah. they ask you in the end do you have any questions you yes for, I, you should for sure ask them <laughs> yeah and some daniel some of my favorite questions and i i'd be super curious to hear yours too like yeah. what um who gets rewarded here? What are the behaviors that get rewarded at this company? Um, what does what does it look like when someone's performing well, right? Um, what does it look like when and and you can get just as much information? What what happens to a poor performer here? Um, are they given the opportunity to just slide by? Are they let go? Similarly, what what happens to a peak performer? Are they elevated? Are they promoted? Are they given raises? or are they just given more work to do? Um, Open-ended questions that can really get to the heart of the things that matter to you are the types of questions you can ask to really interview them back and get the sense, is this the place for me or not? Um, also, picking up on nonverbal cues um, and the way that folks interact with you, um, is it conversational? Are they asking follow-up questions about the answers that you gave? Are they cutting you off mid-response, which happened to me one time and I still accepted the job and it was a huge mm -hmm. mistake. Um, are, and it's it's things like that. So picking up on just the observable stuff, but also asking the more, the more direct and candid questions too. And then last point, um, you, you, why do you, do you feel like you need to accept every job that you get? No, no. And um, if you, so the answer is no. And if you do, um, looking at that job that you accepted as an opportunity to, to learn, to grow, 
um, and not judging yourself for accepting it, but recognizing there there's a reason that you might have. Um, but you absolutely don't need to accept every job that's offered to you, especially um, if you think it's going to be harmful to your emotional, mental, physical well-being. Um, I, I would encourage you to wait it out if you can, if financially and in terms of benefits and all of it, if you can wait, um, because you get the sense that this place this prospective workplace would be disruptful to any part yeah. of your well-being. Um, I, I would encourage you to to hold out for something better. Yeah, and, and I would the only co like thing I just want to make sure like you accepting the job and then say, well, I'm going to accept it, and then once I have this job, I'm going to start looking for another job. I actually think that if you haven't been with the company for at least a year, it's going to make it harder for you to find another job because it gives the company's red flags like what, why, why are you leaving so soon, and then. It going back to that investment, like every company when they're hiring, you're, you're an investment. And if you don't stay with them for about a year and a half to two years, the company actually loses money in the training and development that goes on. And so I think it's better off if you know for a fact that that's not where you can see yourself for at least two years to not accept it and to mm -hmm. keep looking versus taking it, accepting the job saying, oh, well, now I have one and I'm going to start looking while I'm there because I think it's going to be harder for you to find a company that, that looks at you and like you've been there for three months and you're already leaving. What makes me think that you want to do the same for us? Like, <laughs> are you just using companies for stepping stones? And the only way that that, that, that rule for me wouldn't apply unless you're doing a contract, right? Unless you're doing like a six month contract or an internship, then that, then being with someone for a short amount of time is not going to penalize you. Yeah, and, and also being able to frame, if you are somewhere for a shorter amount of time, being able to frame it as, here's what I learned about myself, yeah. here's what I learned about what I need at a workplace, and here's what I learned my value is. And, yeah. and often we want to leave workplaces because they're not seeing our value and yeah. they're not honoring our value. Um, yeah. And inherently, Daniel, and I, I, I think you agree with me on this, we all have value we bring to the table no matter where we're coming from yeah. um and if your employer prospective employer can't see that yeah. it's a red flag absolutely well katie this has been amazing uh if if people listening to the show want to connect with you what is the best way to learn more about you connect with you and what you do yeah, so um, first you can you can visit the website www.encouragecoaching.org. Um, also on Facebook and Instagram at Encourage Coach Chicago, um, and and drop me a line there. Drop me drop me a DM, um, or you can also email me Katie at EncourageCoaching.org. Amazing, and if you're watching us on LinkedIn, I've, I've tagged Katie to this post twice, so make sure you connect with her. Uh, Katie, this has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much you, uh, for all of you. You're the best. Uh, for all of you listening, thank you for listening and catch you guys on the next episode. See ya. You've been listening to the Mastering College to Career podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show. In an age of short attention spans, this speaks volumes about you. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think that the podcast deserves. Until next time, catch you guys on the next episode.